The Medallion, Chapter 20 The roar of water thundered in Corvin's ears and he managed to tilt his head to one side. The spray whipped through the thick net strung across the base of the waterfall. The white tentacle was still wrapped around his ankle, translucent black slime oozing from its torn end. He shook his leg until it fell off, but the effort left him exhausted. He began to shiver. Twisting his head to the other side, he looked down a river flowing through a long tunnel with paths on both sides, each lit by a string of evenly spaced lumians. The lights arced around a corner at the far end and disappeared from view. His head fell back and he stared at one of the small globes hanging overhead. He needed one of those seeds right away or his heart would give out entirely. Taking a deep breath, he pushed his shoulders off the floor, but his hand slipped in a puddle of slime and his head smacked against the rock, sending stars floating past his eyes. His vision narrowed down to the sight of one Lumion hanging above him. If he blacked out, he might never come back around. He would just eat one more, and then he would never let the Lumion energy out of his heart again. I promise, he muttered to himself, just one more, then I'm done for good. Summoning all his strength, he rolled to one side, but the crippen rope attached to his pack bunched up beneath him. He had to have that Lumion seed or he would die. His father would die. All would be lost. With a shaking hand, he managed to pull out the coil of rope and lay it on his chest. Could he use the crippen to pull his body up to the vine? The trembling tips of his fingers explored the end of the crippen, fumbling with the controls until the rope came loose and ran its two ends over his body. It would be better to use the twin ends of the crippen to pull the Lumion closer. Corvin's stiff fingers warmed to the task as he manipulated one of the twin ends across the floor, up to the ceiling, and around the small bulb. Cautiously, he maneuvered the second end and anchored the tip into a crack in the floor near his head. He worked the controls until the two ends pulled toward each other and the Lumion came away from the ceiling, the vine stretching and thinning until it finally snapped with a twang, dropping the Lumion onto his chest. Trembling with anticipation, he used the crippen to drag the blue globe over to his mouth. Biting down with all his strength, he punctured a small hole in Lumian's skin. Drops of juice fell on his tongue and slid down his throat. Inhaling the potent scent, he pulled it up through his sinus cavities, igniting his senses in a sparkle of warmth. New energy flowed into him and he raised his head high enough to bite a chunk from the fruit. Fluid gushed out, almost choking him as he gulped down the electric sweetness. Laying back, he let the energy invade and warm every cell of his body. His heart relaxed into a steady rhythm. The skin of the Lumion hung before him like a wrinkled, deflated balloon. This fruit was much sweeter, and its flesh satisfied his immediate need for life-sustaining energy. Maybe he didn't need to eat the seed this time. This time he would break the desire for more and be free of the seeds forever. Corvin sat up and peeled back the Lumion skin to expose the smallest Lumion seed. As he rolled it between his thumb and forefinger, his heart skipped a beat, and a sharp cramp shot across his chest. He needed a pure bit of Lumion energy. It was such a tiny seed, barely the size of an aspirin. It would be like medicine for his heart. He would just eat this one and that would be it. I promise, he murmured to himself, just this one and no more. Placing the seed in his mouth, he crunched it between his teeth, sending the energy zipping through his body until his skin tingled with warmth. As he tucked the power away in his heart, a biting pain in his chest doubled him over in agony. The power from the little seed had awakened his body's need for more. The next Lumion lay on the ground and the one beyond it hung in midair. Corvin crawled to the one on the ground and tore the fruit open, spilling its juice on the floor. Twisting the seed from the stem, he bit it in half and swallowed. This time he pushed the power directly into his heart, but the pain only increased. With one hand gripping his chest, he yanked on the vine and pulled the next Lumion off. 
Shoving the fruit into his mouth, he sucked out the seed and swallowed it whole. The small Lumian heart burst in his stomach, sending spasms of painful energy through his whole body. More. He had to have more. He yanked hard on the vine. The globe flickered, and all the remaining Lumians began blinking and sending waves of light down the tunnel like the neon lights chasing around the motel sign in the city. Corvin gazed at the lights for a moment before he realized what was happening. The Lumians were sending out an alarm. Tearing off the ruined section of the vine, he ran back toward the falls. Atia said they gave the death penalty for anyone caught eating Lumian seeds. Gathering the pieces of vine, he threw them into the falls, but one snagged on the net and hung down into the water. Corvin stared at it, willing it to slip off and disappear beneath the ripples, but it stayed on the surface, its free end waving back and forth in the swirling eddies beyond the net. The strings of Lumians went dark and the glow of torches approached from down around the corner, but there was nowhere to hide. The paths on both sides of the water ended at the rock faces beside the falls. But overhead in the mist, he could see the deep rounded pockets in the rocks that the falling water had carved out and abandoned. Retrieving his crippen rope, he sent it up into the spray and pulled himself up and out of sight on a smooth curved ledge. The lights grew stronger along with the voices. Two women, one on each side of the river, were calling back and forth over the sound of the water. The one on Corvin's side came into sight. A crossbow was balanced in her hands and he had no doubt she knew how to use it. If she looked up and saw him, he would have to drop into the water and hold his breath, but that would put him back inside the net with the volusk. A vine is hanging over the net, one woman called to the other. It doesn't make any sense, the other one replied. The volusk has never desired a taste of Lumian's. Look, there, inside the net, below the water, do you see it? The light on the other side of the tunnel drew close, and a tall, younger woman walked into view, a sword in one hand and a glowing fire stick in the other. She peered down into the water. It's one of the broken from Kadir. Their Lumians must almost be gone if they are jumping into the water to find more. The Volusk dragged both him and his prize back into the net. It must be letting the body soften up before it feasts on the remains. The light swung away. Come, we must make a report. We will need to post a guard down here from now on. As the torchlight faded, Corvin lowered himself back down to the path. He should follow the women out while it was still dark and before any reinforcements arrive. Creeping along the pathway, the Lumians began to light up sequentially toward him. Corvin reached out but yanked his hand back. Taking the risk was foolish. The desire for more power was clouding his thoughts. The water channel cut around a corner and straightened out. Ahead, the women on either side of the river were framed against the bright light of a larger cavern. They talked across the water for a moment, and one moved on while the other took up position at the entrance to the tunnel. There was no way past, and although the thought of getting back into the water didn't appeal to him, there was no other way to escape. Easing himself into the cold water, Corvin calculated the distance to the cave entry. He should be able to hold his breath long enough without even using the Lumian energy. Taking a deep breath, he ducked below the surface. The current swept him past the guard and Corvin tucked in closer to the shore where the water ran slower. A shadow grew overhead and he surfaced beneath the arch of a low bridge. The arch extended over the land on each side, creating dry alcoves hidden by the bridge supports. Corvin wrapped an arm around the stone column and pulled himself out of the water and onto the ledge. The air was warm and heavy with the scent of flowering plants. Over the ripple of the water, he caught the sound of voices approaching the bridge. Laughter broke out from a group as they crossed overhead. Corvin crawled down to the end of the alcove and lowered his head near the water to get a clear look of the path on the other side of the river. A group of women came into view, walking toward a high gate protected by towers on each side. 
Corvin leaned forward for a better look and almost rolled into the river. The gate was set into pearl-white walls protecting streets lined with buildings that glistened in the fading light. A second high wall ringed yet another tier of buildings climbing even higher up the side of the cavern to houses carved out of the solid rock. Streetlights flickered to life, and there were lights inside the buildings as well. The whole city glowed with soft light from within. More footsteps sounded on the bridge overhead. Another group of women appeared on the road leading to the city, but these were older and dressed in working coveralls with green aprons. They were more subdued than the first group and chatted quietly with each other as they walked toward the gates. Corvin's neck grew sore from peering out under the bridge and he pulled back into the alcove. Blue light danced on the water. The day was coming to a close and judging from the high wall around the city and the gates, there were nighttime dangers here as well. He lay back and rested his eyes. This new cavern below the falls was nothing like what he had expected. He had been sure this would be a dark prison world full of rakash who forced their captives to tend the Lumian supply. Instead, this city was more like a normal world and Kadir was the ruined prison city. Why would Gavin think his parents were being held as captives down here? It didn't make any sense. Corvin tried to sleep, but his mind wouldn't allow his exhausted body to rest. A few times he found himself half-dreaming he was in a small room instead of under the bridge. A sharp edge dug into his hip. A thin rock from the riverbed must have worked its way inside his tunic. Corvin rolled on his back, pulled up the tunic Atiyah had put over him, and searched around in his clothing. A thin rock was jammed into one of the pockets of the pants. He was about to toss the thin rock into the river when he realized what it actually was. The blue side of the mirror glass from the high priest's hall, the one matching the white side he had given to Gavin when they'd said goodbye. Closing his eyes, he pictured Gavin when they'd said goodbye. The disc grew warm and a new picture formed in his mind, framed by a hazy blue circle sort of like the round ones in the labyrinth openings. A man in a hooded cloak stood next to a table covered with open scrolls. The man glanced toward the blue circle, walked over and held out a folded piece of parchment. A small, dirty hand reached through the circle to take it from him. The broken glass was showing him a scene through Gavin's eyes. The man crouched down, and he said something as he pushed his head back. Corvin drew in a sharp breath. His father! His face was thinner, and he had a gash over his eye, but he was alive. The vision faded, but when Corvin shifted the half-disc to his other hand, the scene reappeared and played again. There was no more to be seen and nothing in the picture that gave any clue as to where or when the events had taken place. He had to find Gavin and the folded parchment. Corvin slid along the rock shelf and pulled himself out from under the bridge. The Lumians had faded to the deep blue of night, and in the city there was movement in the lighted windows of the buildings. It wasn't fire sticks like in Kadir. This was the steady light of the Lumians he'd eaten by the falls. Crouching low, he kept the arch of the bridge between himself and the city as he ran to the far edge of the cavern, away from where the river emerged. From the darkness of a cleft in the cavern wall, he surveyed his surroundings. The city dominated the other side of the river, but this side was full of gardens. Long sections of trellis covered with vines stood in neatly laid out rows among a variety of other plants. In the center of all the vegetation stood a lone stone building. Shafts of brilliant light shot out between the cracks in the walls and through narrow windows set along the sides and into the roof. Making his way along a path that skirted the edge of the cavern wall, Corvin crept closer. Slipping in next to the building, he peeked over a window ledge. It was a greenhouse with long rows of plants and fruit hanging from stubby branches. There was no one inside. A set of double doors at the end of the building was dwarfed by the sheer size of the structure. It opened silently toward him and he slipped inside, squinting against the bright light. A dizzy rush came over him, 
like his head was floating free of his body, for hanging above the plants he had seen through the window were many rows of large teardrop-shaped lumens. Their brilliant energy infused the air. He breathed deep and absorbed the sweet aroma. Walking slowly down the aisle between the lumion rows, he noticed each bulb had its stem anchored to the thick stone beam above it and another vine attached to its bottom, stretching into a stream of luminescent fluid. The tension between the stem and the vine gave the lumions their odd, elongated shape. His desire to touch one grew with each step, but he forced the thought away. This was not the right place. The lumions were all linked together and would set off another alarm. At the top edge, a thick vine ran around its perimeter, and from the main vine, thousands of smaller tendrils extended into the pool. The thin vine swirled in the water as the fluid spun in a slow whirlpool. The trunk of the main vine pierced the wall of the room, and through a window he followed the vine along the ground toward the city wall. Stone supports held the vine up over the river and carried it into the wall of a squat gray building sticking out from the city wall. A large pipe hung out over the river and brown slime eased out of it and turned into a smear of gray foam that disappeared with the flow of the water under the far cavern wall. This city had discovered how to store the energy of the lumens during the day and then use it to power their buildings at night. He walked between the rows, reveling in the lumian power filtering into his body through his lungs. He hadn't felt this good in a very long time. Pausing before one of the globes, he examined it closely. The skin of the fruit was different from normal lumens, thinner and more fragile like the rice paper of a Japanese lantern. Reaching out, he touched a fingertip to its surface. A soft pulse of energy shot up his arm and into his head. Wrapping both hands around the globe, he let the sensation sweep through his whole body. Every cell of his being was being filled up with a gentle energy that did not hurt or create a craving for more. A huge seed shimmered within the translucent skin. These plants had been specially bred to produce power. If he carried a seed like this, he could continually absorb its energy without having to eat it. Corvin stroked the membrane and a fingernail pierced the surface. Juice dripped into the trough and the lumion quivered in his hands. In an instant, the room spun around him and the lights jerked crazily around his head. Now he was upside down, the vines from the beans overhead wrapping tight around his ankles. More tendrils pushed out from behind broad leaves and wrapped around his body, pulling him closer and caressing his skin. Fear swept over him and his heart clenched in his chest as the lumium plant extracted the energy inside him. A small door next to the whirlpool opened and a tall figure in a shadowy cloak stepped inside. The person stopped at the wide pool, scooped up a handful of the bright liquid, slurped it, then spat black fluid on the floor, lips smacking. The figure drew closer to where Corvin hung overhead. The drain on his body ceased and the vines pulled away, taking Corvin deep into a mass of vines and leaves. The person below reached for the lumion Corvin had pierced, revealing a white arm that ended in a stump. Corvin sucked in his breath. It was the leader of the Rakash, the one who had lost his hand to Tyrus Blackblade when the chief watcher had died. The thin man paused and turned his sightless eyes toward Corvin. The blue tongue worked to click and seek out the source of the noise, but it couldn't distinguish Corvin from the leaves and vines tangled around him. The hood fell back from the head of the Rakash, exposing patches of white hair over a network of blue vines pulsing over the surface of his skull. Turning his attention back to the Lumion, the Rakash thrust his good hand into the globe, gave a sharp twist and ripped out the seed. A ripple flowed through the vines wrapped around Corvin's body, but the plants didn't attack. The Rakash did not bite the Lumion heart. Instead, it held the seed over the trough and squeezed, the veins in its remaining hand bulging. Drops of pure white liquid formed over the surface of the seed, 
trickled over the long, thin fingers and dropped into the water. The rakash leader tossed the torn seed and it landed with a splash in the pool. The creature turned his attention to the next Lumion in the row, but as he reached out, all the Lumions in the room sprang to life and pulses of energy ran through the vines like snakes swallowing eggs. Corbin squinted against the light. Even the rakash had its arm up over the bumps where its eyes had been. The front door flew open. Corvin blinked, and the rakash was gone. Three young women, all dressed like Atia, ran down the corridor between the rows of plants, swords at the ready. The tallest of the three stopped below Corvin to examine the wrinkled seed of the Lumion hanging over the trough. It was the same young woman he had seen at the falls. Another ran to the pool and used her sword to fish the torn heart from the water. The third opened a smaller door at the back of the power station and stepped out into the night. In a moment they were back, standing directly below Corvin. Look at this, the shortest one held up the squashed heart. The tallest of the three replied, No one would have that much strength unless they'd already eaten another. But this is the only one they grabbed. Unless it was someone who had eaten one earlier. Perhaps the Lumians torn down in the water tunnel were not from the man drowned in a net. There must be another one of the broken from Kadir who escaped the Volusk. We must alert the city. As the three girls turned away, the vines around Corvin's ankles relaxed, and he dropped closer to their heads before falling awkwardly face down in a heap behind the women. Are you injured, sister? The voice was fuzzy. Hands rolled him over. What are you doing out here by yourself at— One of them gasped and something sharp bit into his neck. Who are you? Why are you dressed in our uniform? What are you doing here? Pull your sword back and let him talk, another said. Don't be stupid. If he has that much power in him, it would be better if I kill him now while he's dazed. He looks pretty weak. The face moved closer. What's your name? Corvin swallowed hard and he felt the tip of the sword prick his Adam's apple. Corvin! The tall girl with the sword shook her head. Another one gone mad with eating the seeds. He thinks he's the Corvan. I bet he killed one of the sisters and put on her uniform. Beyond the tall girl's head, the pillar supporting the overhead beam appeared to split apart. The leader of the Rakash hadn't left. He was standing in plain view wrapped in the camouflage cloak he had taken from Corvin's father. The white face stared from the recesses of its hood at the tall girl with the sword. The blue lips mouthed a single word in a whispered sigh. Lena. Corvin tried to shout a warning, writhing to point out the creature, but all that escaped his mouth was a garbled cry before the hilt of her sword slammed into the side of his head.